The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the eighth chapter. When a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil, and grew and yielded a hundredfold. When he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. In the parable that Jesus tells us today, he presents to us a very peculiar challenge. You see, normally pastors rejoice when they have a parable coming their way because they know they can spend at least three to five minutes explaining the parable and that'll pad a sermon just fine. Unfortunately, Jesus does all the heavy lifting for us. He tells us in quite painstaking detail the purpose of the parable and the interpretation thereof. The purpose of the parable is to hide it, to hide the truth of God's kingdom from those whose hearts are not prepared for it, those who go about their lives stubborn, stubbornly unrepented, giving no heed to God's word, to his call to change and amend their lives, his call to faith in his only son whom he has sent to be their redeemer. Such people are not prepared to know the secrets. And so while Christ will speak plainly with his disciples, for the rest, truth is hidden and obscured. But to those disciples, he gives the interpretation. The seed, that is, the word, is scattered 
along the way in the hearts of men. The sower is, of course, Jesus, first and foremost. But throughout the generations, this task of sowing has been picked up by the prophets of old who spoke to the people of Israel, and now by the disciples who, following Jesus' death and resurrection, shall continue his labor to spread about the gospel. They will go and cast the seed of God's word, but they will not always find the fruits that they expect. And they will, of course, wonder, as anyone would, what is the problem? If a farmer went out and cast a bunch of seed and noticed that it wasn't sprouting quite the way he expected it, then he would be well within his rights to ask, was it just bad seed? But it is not so. The seed of God's word is always good, always powerful, always going out to accomplish that purpose for which God intended it. The problem lies not in the seed, but in the land, in the hearts of those who receive this word or who don't. And this presents to us again a peculiar problem with this parable. It's not that we don't understand what Jesus is saying. It's very clear. It's not even that we don't believe it or we fight against it the way we sometimes do with the other difficult sayings of Jesus. No, if anything, the problem with this parable is that we know it maybe a little too well. Who among us hasn't had the experience of the sower? throwing down seed where we can, and yet not seeing it sprout where we had hoped. Many a pastor will get up Sunday morning, stand in the pew, stand up at the pulpit and preach to those in the pews, and it'll seem as though the words were snatched out of the air, as though nobody heard what he was really trying to say, as though the point that he wanted to make simply disappeared into the ether. Many a Christian parent or grandparent will go through the labors of trying to teach their children the faith, and while the children are young, it will seem as though everything has gone right. They will see that first tender sprouting of faith in the hearts of their children, but over time, the fruit never matures. Instead, it is choked out by worldliness. They go along a different path, forsaking the faith that the parents had hoped to inculcate in them, and instead following after godlessness. How many people have seen dear Christians of their church distracted, seen them turn away for greener pastures or some other worldly care and pleasure that captivates their attention more than the gathering of the body or the support of one another by prayer and by the encouragement of God's word. Yes, thanks be to God, we are permitted along the way to see the places where the seed does take root, where indeed it sprouts and where it bears fruit. However, we cannot help but be cynical sometimes. 
After all, it is all there in the parable itself. Jesus explains to us more occasions wherein the seed of God's word does not yield that hoped-for fruit than the occasions where it does. And indeed, human nature being what it is, we are inclined to look at the failures far more than the successes. Each one of us, if we took the time, I'm sure would have stories aplenty of times where our labors did not yield the fruits that we hoped for, times where we saw our hopes apparently dashed, and times where, frankly, we wondered if maybe the seed wasn't as good as we thought, or maybe the greatest source of guilt, did we not plant it right? That really is the challenge at the heart of this all. Not that we can't understand, not that we disbelieve, but that we struggle to find encouragement. We struggle to find the joy and hope. We struggle to set our eyes on the promise of that fruit that is born from the seed that is planted, and instead we are more inclined to give attention to the seed that seemed to fall away and be lost. What is the comfort then? Yes, it is that seed that bore fruit. But there is actually a comfort that comes even before this. A comfort that would be the source of strength for the apostles as they continued the work of spreading their Lord's gospel. The hope and comfort that strengthens every pastor to get up every Sunday morning. And indeed, the hope and comfort for every Christian who undertakes the godly labor of spreading the gospel. That comfort is this. The seed was never ours really to begin with. We did not labor for it. We did not struggle for it. We did not go through the toils and tribulations to bring it about. It is given to us. It is a gift from the very hands of our Lord Jesus who gives us the word of his gospel first and foremost that it may strengthen us. For before we ever went out to cast the seed of the world into this earth, Christ is the one who first does the work to plant it in our hearts. Plant, to water and nourish and to sustain, so that it may grow within us and give us strength. Indeed, the seed which we are given to possess, the power of God's word that is given into our hands, is solely and entirely his gift to us. And because of that, we suffer no loss. We suffer no loss if we don't see the seeds yield the fruit that we hoped. We do not suffer loss even if we are casting upon the rocky ground or even if the birds of the air snatch them from our grasp. For God gives us plenty. He gives us an abundance of the seeds of his word that they may grow within us, and so they may go out from us. And so, too, we know that when at last the seed does yield its fruit, 
that it is all profit, that it is all gain, that the good works, that the mature faith which God is pleased to bring about through our hands, through our words, and through our works, that this is something which he calls to us to rejoice in. And he promises us that the seed that does yield fruit will yield an abundance that will more than make up for that which we esteem to be lost. There is nothing for you in this endeavor but gain. It is all profit. It is all gift. It is all Christ's blessings for you. It is all the promise that you shall receive in the fullness of time far more than you ever labored for, and that the fruits of the harvest Christ deigns to share with you, that you may eat your fill, that you may partake of the bread that he has made in his kingdom, and that the fullness of the joy of the saints may be complete in you. But so then, how might this encouragement help us going forward? After all, the harvest isn't here yet. The time of sowing is still at hand. Well, I would offer these encouragements. First of all, tend to your own plot first. The seed of God's word that is given to you, he gives first and foremost that you may use it to strengthen yourself. Do not neglect reading the scriptures for yourself. Do not neglect your attendance to the preaching of this word publicly, nor to the reception of the sacraments and the gathering of the saints. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, that it may empower you for the labors that are ahead of you. The worst thing that any sower could do is neglect to eat before he goes out to sow, for he will be tired along the way. So too, before you set yourself to the labor of spreading God's word, you do well to nourish your own soul, to strengthen yourself by the very words that Christ has given you to spread as well. Second, for those times of discouragement, remember that your only task is to sow. It is to scatter the seed. It is not to ensure that it comes to full fruition. That work belongs to the Lord and to him alone. It is up to Jesus to clear away the thorns, to break up the rocks, to scatter the birds, and he will do his work in his own time. All he has given you is seed to cast, so cast it abundantly. And furthermore, remember that sometimes you don't get to see the seeds that you planted sprout. I'm not much of a gardener myself, but even I know that sometimes you do everything right. You give it the right soil and sun and shade, you water it aplenty, but things just don't sprout like you intended. And so you walk away, and then you come back a week or two later to find that what you had written off as bad seed has indeed sprouted. Or indeed, sometimes you leave it entirely, and someone else comes along and finds the chives you planted last summer. It may not be to you to see the wheat come to its fruition. It may belong to someone else. Sometimes you will plant and water, but another will harvest. 
just as surely sometimes someone else has planted and watered, and yet you were privileged to take the harvest. In the end, it matters not. For our Lord gathers all of the grains unto himself, and he distributes them freely to his people. Again, you will suffer no loss. The Lord will see his work done by whoever's hands he so chooses. The promise for you, the encouragement in your labor, is that at the last you will eat of the fruits of the Lord's bountiful harvest, and you will be satisfied. Christ has promised it, and Christ will grant it. Amen. In the name of Jesus, our only hope in this life and the next, Amen.